So can you believe we've hit December already? It's We've talked about Christmas. We've got the Christmas decorations up. It's coming. It's practically here. And I'm really looking forward to celebrating with our church community and our Koala Kids families at Carols for Kids this afternoon. But today, this morning, like Jeff said, we're finishing off our series in the book of Philippians. And today's message, the title, is called Full of Joy and Contentment. So it isn't actually a Christmas message this morning, but when I think of those words, joy and contentment, it makes me think about Christmas. What are you picturing Christmas in the lead up to Christmas as we celebrate Jesus' birth is going to look like for you? What are you planning? What are you hoping for? I want to share with you what I'm picturing our Christmas will look like. So in the next few weeks, it's going to be very calm. It's going to have, we're going to have Christmas music playing at home the kids are not going to fight at all ever they're going to be in the kitchen taking turns in making all of the christmas lollies that we love and they're equally going to share licking of the bowl and it's going to be amazing and then under all the christmas tree has been set up and it's up to my ocd standards there's no tacky ornaments on there whatsoever and the presents underneath are so well thought out that the receiver is just going to be overwhelmingly blessed with what they are given on christmas day And then Christmas morning, we leisurely wake up, we turn on the coffee machine, we go there as a family and all make coffee together. We sit around the Christmas tree getting ready for church and open our presents beforehand. Joy and contentment. (laughs) I can hear from your laughter that we know that that's actually not the reality of what's going to happen over the next few weeks. The next few weeks, as for our family and probably your family, are going to be absolutely crazy and hectic. It's busy. You're trying to cram all of these last-minute events in. You're trying to get those last-minute presents. They're probably not as well thought out as you would like. It's just chaos. Kids are fighting. I don't know, maybe extended families are fighting. Joy and contentment, where is that? Is that only a thing we see in the movies? Are you feeling discontent this Christmas? Are you detesting people and detesting things that you've got to do? Are you feeling irritated, anxious? Well, Philippians chapter 4 is actually a really good message in the lead up into Christmas. And we know so far as we work through this book that Paul is sharing about how his greatest struggles have been his greatest teachers. And he shares timeless principles in how to walk with Jesus, his walk, and how it applies to us. And he's learned to have joy and contentment in any and every situation he finds himself in. So as we work through this last chapter, you'll see the reoccurring themes we've actually already looked at over the last few chapters. Theme of God is continuing to work in us. The theme of working out the results of our salvation. The theme of unity, working together without grumbling and complaining. And these themes all combine to lead us to that place of joy and contentment that Paul is talking about in this last chapter. But Paul actually starts off chapter 4 with a word, therefore. So we can't just kind of forge on because we need to look at the thought that he's just said so we understand what this therefore is saying. So I want to start from chapter 3, verse 21, the very last verse of chapter 3. Paul says he, he's talking about Jesus, He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with with which he will bring everything under his control. Chapter 4. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. 
Now I appeal to Eodia and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Jesus is going to change our mortal bodies into glorious, amazing things. Stay true to God because he is not finished with you yet. And that goes back to that very first theme we looked at in chapter 1, where God said, or sorry, Paul says, God will continue to work in you. He will bring to completion what he started in you. And Paul's repeating this over and over again, as you remember, as we've looked through this, this book. It's something that is so important. He keeps repeating. He wants us to remember God is working in you. He has not left you. He will bring it to completion when one day we are face to face with him. It's a promise to hold on to. It's exciting. God is at work. But then Paul gets straight down to business. He doesn't muck around. He pleads with these two women, Eodia and Syntyche, Work out your disagreement. Now, he says these two ladies are faithful workers. They co-worked, co-labored with Paul and to share the good news of gospel to, I guess, the surrounding church and the community. They were faithful and somehow they're in this disagreement. Now, Paul doesn't tell us what this disagreement is, but they're obviously in conflict. Now, he's coming back to that theme of unity that we've talked about already in chapter 2. But this time, he's actually called them out. He's made it personal. He's saying, you cannot continue like this. You can't continue in your disagreement. Work it out. But then he also says, my true partner, come alongside these ladies and help them out. Now, sometimes in disagreements, you probably have experienced this, we get stuck. We need help moving forward. We need someone to come alongside us to help us sort through the conflict, sort through the disagreements. And you may remember a couple of weeks ago, we looked at a quote from Dr. Carolyn Leaf. And I want to share this again this morning because this has been really transformational for me as I look at conflict and disagreements. She says in working out disagreements, it is incredibly important to remember that in any argument... It's not you against the other person. Rather, it's you and the other person against the issue. Separate the human from the problem. Now, if you're not able to do that, if you're not able to separate the human from the problem, get help doing it. Take a step back. And that's, I think, what Paul is suggesting to these two ladies here. This person is obviously trusted, my true partner. And he's saying, come alongside these ladies and help them work it out. Be a mediator. Help them sort it out. We also need trusted people in our lives. People who have godly wisdom. People who aren't going to take sides in the argument or disagreement or whatever it is. But to come alongside us so we can come to that place of agreement because we all belong to Jesus. We are all one. We have the same goals, the same hopes and desires. We are one in Jesus. Come alongside each other and help each other to work those disagreements out. Because I want to read that passage again from chapter 2. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Conflict is inevitable. It is part of our world because our world is broken. And we have disagreements. 
And sometimes we do need that extra help. And we can change our thinking when it comes to conflict. It's not something to be avoided, but something we can be unified in when we have the mindset of Christ. Something that we can learn and grow through as we come with the goal to be unified. To shine brightly in a world that doesn't do that kind of thing. To be different to the world. So people will ask us, why are you doing that? And we can say, because we love Jesus. Dealing with issues is radical obedience to Jesus. And when we live like that, we will shine brightly. So just this week, I was in a Zoom meeting with about nine people on the Zoom call from, um, from representing our denomination, Churches of Christ, and we were discussing difficult things that were causing conflict. So on this Zoom call, we are all there together to sort out and to work out a resolution. Now, it's easy when you're dealing with conflict to forget that you're not against each other. It's easy to be confrontational towards people and not the problem. Now, I raised an issue and I didn't share my thoughts very well. And I could instantly see through the screen, the camera, that the person on the receiving end became very defensive very quickly. That was not my intention. And because we've been studying and looking through this book of Philippians, I instantly recalled what Paul was saying and that transformational quote from Dr. Leaf and said, in my mind was thinking, I need to take a step back for a moment. I need to change my approach because I'm not showing a lot of love right now. I'm sharing this to say these principles are really important. It does work. It helped. It helped me so much in that Zoom meeting as we're talking about conflict issues. It realised that, you know what, we are there in this meeting to all be together to come to an agreement. We're not against each other. We can treat each other differently. Paul's principles and what Jesus said are true and they work. It helps us to live differently in a Christ-like way. It helps us to be different when we're in conflict situations. But straight after Paul is pleading with these ladies to sort out their disagreement, he writes some of the most famous verses in the book of Philippians. He says in verse 4, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Always be full of joy. Straight after he's talking about conflict resolution. We can be full of joy even in hard things. And this joy that Paul is talking about isn't dependent on circumstances. It's not just an emotion because we know that emotions come and go. You can have the most phenomenal day one day where you've done things you love. You feel rested. You've been around people who who just bring you joy. You just enjoy their company. And then the next day, disaster strikes and you seem to spiral down into stress, despair, sadness. It can be a roller coaster. Our emotions go up and down. But this joy that Paul is talking about is more than an emotion. Emotions come with joy, but it's more than that. It isn't dependent on circumstances. This joy is godly happiness, godly peace that is so deep in our soul and our spirit that nothing can take it away. Nothing can change it. Circumstances can't alter it. The stress of Christmas isn't going to change it. Conflicts can't kind of disrupt it. This joy is deep in our heart that is given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit when we trust in Jesus. It's that peace that says, I have a God who lives in me. He is fighting for me. He is my strength. He is my joy. He loves me so much that he is worth trusting. 
our soul can be at rest when we hold on to that because he has said that nothing will separate us from the love of God. That is the deep joy in our soul that can't be taken away. And I can testify truly to that. So earlier this year when my dad was living out his last few days and I was with him in hospital, the circumstances were tragic. They were sad. He was in pain. It was just not a nice scenario. And as I sat there with him, as he sat there or laid there on the bed in pain and suffering, I can truly say that even though those external circumstances weren't nice, I had that peace deep in my heart. I had that joy that said, God is working even though this isn't nice. I had that hope in my spirit that Dad was going to be with Jesus and that he was going to be okay because God is a good God and God loves me and God loves him. So Paul goes on to say in verse 6, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So Paul knows that as humans we can't help but worry. We worry about so many things, all of the what-ifs. Now here's a definition of worry for you to think about. Worrying is talking to yourself about something that makes you anxious and imagining how it can go wrong. So is that how you worry? You talk to yourself about difficult things and imagine how they can go wrong? We worry because we're anticipating a future negative event. What if? What if I can't afford my mortgage repayment? What if I don't get into uni? What if I don't get that job? What if that conversation doesn't go well? What if they say no? Or what's worse, what if they say yes? And we go over these things all the time in our head. We worry. And we often think that worrying is productive. We think that worrying is problem-solving. And we worry because we're subconsciously, maybe, or even consciously, trying to prepare ourselves for the negative outcomes, for those negative emotions that we think are coming. We borrow from the future and we say, we're going to bring tomorrow's problems right now today and I'm going to hold on to them and I'm going to stress about them, I'm going to worry about them. Now we do that because, like I said a couple of weeks ago, negative emotions need more processing than positive ones. And we worry, it's a way that sometimes we try and process what is happening, those negative things that might be going on. Because we don't like it when things are out of our control. We don't like it when we don't know the outcome to situations. We don't like it when it's hard. We don't like it when we don't know how we're going to make ends meet. We don't like it when there's disagreement and conflict. So we worry because we fear the unknown. We worry because we can't control the outcome. Now, have you ever had one of those imaginary arguments in your mind where you role-play both characters? You're yourself, but you're also the other person. And you have this conversation in your mind. For me, it often happens right as I'm going to sleep. Perfect time to do that. Where I think, okay, this is what I'm going to say. That's what they'll say. And you kind of go back and forth. And you imagine every single outcome that can possibly happen. And it goes on and on. It doesn't help at all. It just fuels that anxiety and worry about a potential conversation. I don't know about you, but when I finally get the courage to speak to that person that I've been having this conversation with in my mind, 
probably 99% of the, of the time, it doesn't even turn out like any of the scenarios I've ever created in my mind. But worrying about it, going over and over, it has not helped the situation. It actually makes me more worried, more anxious, and fuels my stress. But no matter how many times we do it, we still do it. I still do it. But Paul says here, don't worry. And it's not like he's just walked up to the Philippians and said, or us and said, you know what, you need to stop worrying, you're worrying right now. And the Philippians are like, great, now that you've brought that to my attention, I am fully aware of my worry and it's gone. It's not like that at all. Paul's not saying don't worry and leaves it like that. He gives us an answer. He says, don't worry. And how to do that is to pray. Now that might sound like such a cliche answer. It might sound like you're not doing much or it might feel like you're not doing much when you pray it might feel like you're giving up I don't know but often for me it feels like I'm not doing much it feels like a cliche answer there's a guy called Matt Jacoby who is from a band called Sons of Korah if you've ever heard of them he actually even writes little devotional books which we have up at the info desk little colorful books and he says this about prayer he says Prayer is not about informing God of our needs so that he can give us what we lack. He knows our needs already. The purpose of prayer is a transferal of life. Prayer is putting our lives back where they should be, into God's hands. God wants us to recognize when we are carrying the burden of our own lives because anxiety is a sign of this. And he wants us to give it back to him. Once your life is entrusted to God, you will again live in peace. You will no longer be anxious about tomorrow because you will recognise that tomorrow is not your concern. In fact, tomorrow is outside of your jurisdiction. We don't have to carry the burden of tomorrow. Give it back. Tomorrow is outside of our jurisdiction. God is in control of that. He wants to look after that. So instead of fueling that worry and that anxiety, instead of going over things in our mind over and over again, give it back to God and he promises to give us peace instead of taking tomorrow's stress and bringing it and holding it on onto it today give it back to God release it and Paul says then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus what an amazing promise now, this year, as most of you know, has been a massive year for our family, with two necessary trips away, one to the Gold Coast and one to Melbourne. We had to go. There was no options because of deaths in our extended family. And in those moments, each time I was thinking, how I was trying to do the maths, how are we going to make ends meet? And I thought we would actually go back backwards financially, but we had to go. We were going regardless. And I was questioning God, God, how are we going to afford these trips? Travelling with a family of six isn't cheap, and especially when we had to book last-minute flights to Melbourne. I was worrying, I was anxious, I was doing exactly what Paul told us not to do. But like this passage said, God knows what is going before it happens, going to happen before it happens. He knew what was coming for our family. He knew and it was going before us. It wasn't a surprise to him. But he wanted me to give him that burden so he could give me peace. And he proved each time that he provided in amazing, phenomenal ways beyond what I imagined he provided. But I was trying to bring that stress of worrying about finances into today and holding on to that. He wanted me to let go because he'd already given provision for that. 
He did provide in amazing, phenomenal ways. I had to let go of control. But I'm terrible at it. I'm not good at it. And it's hard not to be anxious about things, especially when it concerns money. But God showed me time and time again how much this verse is true. Don't worry. Hand it over to God. He already knows your needs. I was forced more uh, this year more times on my knees in prayer than I can think of to trust in God in circumstances beyond my control. But I can honestly say, God will provide. He provided for me. He did give me that peace that transcends understanding. And we're here to tell the story. He took the heavy load away. And even though he knows I'm going to worry again in the future, he's so gracious and loving and says, you know what, come back. Each time he doesn't like go get angry at me for worrying, he just reminds me gently and lovingly, come back to me. I'm going to offer you peace. I want you to have it. I want you to give me that burden. So for the last part of this Philippian series, I want to read a few more verses. Philippians 4 verse 10. Paul says, How I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. Paul's statement, coming to that point in your life where no matter what your circumstances, you can come to God, bring your worry to him and be content. Have that deep joy in your heart and be settled with where God has you. Be settled with your relationship with God. Now, we don't actually need a lot to be content in life. And I want to share another quote from Matt Jacoby, the Sons of Korah guy. He says, life is about being, not having. Contentment is not about what you want, but minimizing want itself. Let God simplify and focus your desires. Because what causes most anxiety in life is not unfulfilled desires, but disorientated desires. So the secret of living a contented and joyful life is focusing on Jesus and giving our desires to Jesus. And this is the perfect time of year to do it because everything around us reminds us of Jesus. We go to the shops and there's Christmas trees, there's Christmas decorations, Christmas carols. Everything at this time of year can remind us contentment lies in Jesus. When you go to the shops, when you see your Christmas tree, remember Jesus gives us joy and contentment. So bring your worry to Jesus. Bring your discontentment, if that's what you're feeling, to him and allow him to work in that. Ask him to give you that peace that he promises. Pray and keep praying until you you receive it because God's going to give it to you. So let's pray this morning. Jesus, thank you so much that you are such a good God, a God who loves us so much that we can bring our worries, our stresses to you, that we can just lay them at your feet, we can hand them over to you and that you will give us that peace. Lord, I pray for each of us, if if we're struggling with things in our life that are just really difficult, that that joy, that contentment, that deep in our soul, that you will just bubble that up in our lives right now, that we will know your presence, that we will know you are at work despite what is going on in our outer world. Jesus, I pray for peace. And I also pray that in the lead up to Christmas over the next few weeks that we will have that contentment, 
that we can focus on you, that every time we hear a Christmas carol, every time we see a Christmas decoration, every time we buy a present or give a present, that we can just focus on you and know, Jesus, you are the reason. You bring us joy. You bring us contentment. In your most holy name. Amen.